Your health is our priority. Each series, it's our goal to make sure that we provide you with experts and guests that offer multiple perspectives so that you feel supported, empowered, and less alone. Like the work we do? Buy us a cup of coffee. Or tea. You can leave us a tip over at coffee.com slash the hip podcast, which is ko-fi.com slash the HIP podcast, or with the link in our show notes. When you buy us a cup of coffee, you not only support the work we do, but also gain access to early releases and downloadable resources. Again, that's coffee.com slash the hip podcast. What a wonderful conversation with our new friend, Wendy. She manages a group home in England, and she was a foster child herself. So she was able just to share so much great insight into that world and mental health in relation to children in group homes and her own journey. And it was just so inspiring and fascinating to hear that perspective. Absolutely. So I really was inspired by what she said about all of that, including her past, you know, experiences with trauma and difficult situations and how she's now using that in a positive way to help other people. Uh, And I think the biggest aspect of all of that was that for many, many years, she didn't even realize that she had been going through anxiety, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like her normal yeah, it's just and and she was even going so far as to tell people it's no big deal. You'll you'll get through it. It's fine. It's not even a problem, right? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> not quite. But yeah, and other people with anxiety, she would say, "Well, just yeah. get up and get on with it. Life yeah. throws things at you." Um, so she had so much insight into how to be a strong support person as a parent right. or a caregiver for yourself and yeah, others. For yourself <laughs> and for others, for sure. And that. And that might sound really negative too, but I think it's a really big positive because you might be in that situation right now and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to kind of move forward and grow as a person, no matter how old you are. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I felt so inspirational about her message is that she talks about how she had a panic attack um, and it was full blown on an airplane, really serious panic attack. She thought she was dying. Yeah. yeah. Super bad. And she calls that the worst moment and the best moment of her life because right. it was the moment that things changed for her forever. And it helped her yeah. to understand herself better and it helped her to get the help that she needed and then become educated to help others, which is her story is just gorgeous. I love it so much. Definitely very uncomfortable to go through. Uh, And obviously she wasn't enjoying that feeling, but she's thankful that it happened, that she could move forward beyond it. Yeah, she's not the first person to say that either. Um, We've had other people in different episodes say that one of the hardest things they've ever gone through was actually a blessing because it made them who they are. And and I know the same thing in my own life. Um, I had a challenging childhood and there are other times in my life that I thought were maybe like really going to be hard and they were, but ended up being the thing that made me the best version of myself. That's great. Yeah. And she, I think had that moment a little bit later in life, which feels really shocking because you've gone your whole whole life living a certain way and now things are changing for you or you're opening your eyes. But sometimes it takes that long just to realize where your anxiety or whatever your issue may be, is stemming from. Because she never realized that her anxiety had physical effects. 
She was like, it couldn't possibly be something mm-hmm. in my brain because I'm having physical reactions to this. And so just staying informed and noticing things about yourself and trying to take a moment to figure out where your problems are stemming from or where your anxiety is stemming from is a huge step that you can take. Absolutely. And to use those experiences, even if you know she's still going on that journey now, she's still processing these things and working through them. But in that process and during that journey, she's giving back to others and she's able to shed so much light on certain things and so much insight uh, into things like certain behaviors that people may exhibit and kind of digging deeply, like you said, into those layers and seeing why are they doing these things? Well, instead of me yelling at this, you know, this young man for, for misbehaving or acting out, I can dig into it and kind of see why would he be acting this way? Is he just being a teenager, right? But with those different layers of mental health that we're examining, um, we all process things very differently and they can manifest very differently as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure as a parent or a caregiver, and I'm sure mom, you can (laughs) attest to this, but uh, it can be really confusing and sometimes a bit frustrating when you're trying so hard to care for the people that you love and they don't have the reaction that you're expecting. So she used an mm. example of um, foster parents who come to her and say, well, I bought them all these things and I took them here and I've got them therapy and I am and I love them so much and I'm just giving them as much love as I can. And then they come home and they trash my house. <laughs> and she was like, you'd have to remember that it's not about you. Yeah. And that sometimes you don't see the results of what you're doing then right in the moment you might see it when they're adults and they come to you and say thank you for believing in me i know i was a bit of trouble for you but it had an impact in the long run yeah that really made an impact on me because those children have obviously been through really hard times but to her point they're also teenagers and i imagine that just about every teenager could look back and say dude, I'm really sorry. Like (laughs) I did not like you did so much. You were so kind and loving and supportive to some adult in their life when they didn't appreciate it. Our brains and minds are already going through so much at that age that, (laughs) and then throw in everything else. Childhood trauma (laughs) on it. Right. I was thinking about how you and I are educators. And I think that that does stem from things in our past and, you know, there are reasons that we want to help people see the best in themselves or feel the most confident in whatever area of their life. I know that this is something that you and I were meant to do um, in the same way Wendy talks about her experiences that led her to help people. Um, And I know that you're such a light and such a positive person in your courses and students really appreciate that. Where do you think that stems from? Uh, I think that actually... I haven't done the digging into this yet personally, but I think <laughs> I suspect yeah. that <laughs> there's away. a lot to unpack here. Let's just throw the whole suitcase out. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, but this is something I definitely want to keep and go through carefully. But what I suspect it comes from is my personal feelings about uh, myself and my own confidence in those things. And instead of maybe doing the hard work <laughs> and instilling my own myself with that confidence, I am instead putting that energy out there and helping others. And I think that helps me go through it as well as I'm able to process my own feelings by seeing that potential in other people and helping them realize it about themselves. 
And then that makes me feel good when I hear that. Oh, you helped me so much. Um, yeah. I wish I could always feel that way. But <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, you can have a day where the people that you're loving or trying to help aren't reacting in a positive way. And that can really affect you. And you just have to make the choice to try and understand where they are coming from and Mm -hmm. know that it's not about you and that your happiness doesn't rely on them. Right. When I'm feeling that way about students, when you're really trying to help them and they're just not seeing it, and I'm sure the same can be said of friends, family, kids, right? Um, I always have to remind myself to not take that personally because like, like Wendy said, and like you said, it's not about me. It's their journey, right? And this is how I always navigate things. It's their journey. And all we can do is kind of help guide them the best that we can along the way. Yeah. One of my favorite things that she says is, if you buy a pair of shoes and they don't fit right, are you going to walk around for the rest of your life with bare feet? Right. And (laughs) I love that so much because it's true, you know, our practices and our journey and the people in our lives. And at that point, she was talking about a therapist and how the first one might not fit in the way that you were hoping. Right. Um, And it's a pain in the butt to like put the shoes back in the bag and print out a label. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mailing is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mailing is really hard. But to her point, good things and important things aren't always easy, but they're worth it. Exactly. She said that she's had some really nice experiences, some mm-hmm. challenging ones as well mm-hmm. with the people that looked after her. But to those people that are taking a chance and doing the hard work and loving kids that need love and need support we just appreciate you so much absolutely Um, do such a beautiful beautiful thing that you're doing and it makes all the difference and sometimes probably doesn't feel like that and if you're a foster kid yourself then hopefully this shows you some some light at the end of that tunnel and just to see i mean it took wendy years and years to kind of realize how grateful she was for those families who helped her out even though she might have acted out in the moment (laughs) but uh she definitely appreciates that help yeah and for people that are doing what wendy's doing literally thank you from the bottom of our hearts so with that being said we were so grateful to have wendy on our show and we hope that you're able to feel a connection to her journey that we did so grab a cup of tea and enjoy Health is understanding what you need. Being informed. Finding that balance of mental and physical. Building yourself a support system. Figuring things out on my own and not letting it hold me back. You do kind of have to advocate for yourself. Because health, it's personal. Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. Hello, gorgeous. Hey, Wendy. So nice to meet you. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm all right. Before we dive in, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, both personally as well as professionally, and maybe just what you've been up to lately? Okay. My name is Wendy Sterling. I am 49 years old, and I live in Canterbury in Kent in England. I currently work as a residential homes manager for a children's home. I've done this work on and off for many, many years around 23 years all in all in different forms I am in what they call in England a former looked after child I don't know if it's the same terminology in America but basically I was um, looked after by the state from the age of six years old yeah I think we'd call it what is it ward of the state or 
foster yeah. kids and yeah yeah so in England it's called being a looked after child okay so I was taken into care at the age of uh, six after suffering quite a lot of abuse as a small child and basically lived through the care system right up until I was 18. Yeah um, sort of did odd jobs here and there and and then sort of decided that you know I'd had a fairly good experience at certain parts of my life being in a residential home and maybe that I wanted to do that myself. That's great. Yeah so I did some volunteering to start with and basically got a full-time job as a residential support worker back in January of 1997. Wow. <laughs> so it's been a little yeah, bit. a long time ago. Oh, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great that you took that difficult situation and you wanted to give back. That's really wonderful yeah. to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the time, living it, which I think is you know, what you get for all looked after children, is like, I hate this place, can't wait to get out of here. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you're able to reflect back and actually realize just how much it did me good really and I'd had sort of quite a positive experience there. I've left a couple of times through different things that happened in my life but I'd always felt like I could connect with the kids really well Yeah. and then about 10 years ago completely out of nowhere I was actually on an aeroplane coming home from holiday and I like to call it my meltdown <laughs> um, but I, I had a complete and utter breakdown I had the most massive panic attack midair in an aeroplane. Wow. Completely out of nowhere. I'd always been very self-sufficient. And then all of a sudden I was a, yeah, I was a mess. Wow. Do you think it had been building? I didn't realize what it was at first. That was 10 years ago. Um, and it's been a real, real journey since then. Um, with the anxiety, understanding it, where it's come from, how I've worked through it. Yeah, it's been quite an incredible life story. <laughs> That's amazing. To go back, do you feel like maybe you were experiencing anxiety when you were younger, but you didn't know what that was all about or what was causing it? Or do you think at one point things had been building up and then things changed for you? No, it had always been there. You know, I started to write a book as well um, about my experience. Wow. And, and through that, you can clearly see you know, I couldn't step outside my front door. I couldn't drive my car. I couldn't make simple things like a cup of tea, like anxiety and the floor coming up to meet me. And and I thought I was dying. I had no idea that it was anxiety for around two months. And then just the penny dropped. It's bad if, if you couldn't even make a cup of tea. That's That's really, yeah, devastating. Yeah, my whole brain just wouldn't function to do the most normal innate things and yeah I, I had no idea what was going on right um it was probably the scariest time in my life which is saying a lot considering but now looking back 10 years later um yes everything in answering your question Karen everything absolutely was there from the beginning you know what I'd learned to do is I'd learned to use anxiety <laughs> as a way of surviving my childhood surviving you know all kinds of abuse neglect because I sub subsequently went into counseling and I was in counseling for around five or six years and did some really intense inner child counseling wow yeah. and then I went back to night school and I'm now a trained counselor oh, that's amazing 
yeah, I literally relived. The only way I got through the anxiety and came out the other side was to pretty much relive um, all the trauma through the counselling. But the anxiety itself is, yeah, the anxiety itself is just, I mean, I always say it's the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. You know, and, and, and the anxiety for me was definitely a coping mechanism that I'd, subconsciously put in place as a child to help me to cope. Brene Brown says that if you say things out loud, it takes so much power away. Yeah. Do you feel like that was the case for you? Definitely. Through the anxiety, what I'd learned to do is, you know, the the I like to call it the pre-anxiety before sort of, you know, that that fateful <laughs> day on the aeroplane. Yeah. Um, was a was not a conscious thing. It it was completely subconscious. I had no idea that, you know, that I was such an anxious person. To me, it was normal. Yeah. I was going to ask if it just felt like it was a part of you, so you didn't really notice it because it's just always been there. It, yeah. Absolutely. And I think I'd got to a point, I was 39, so I was hitting probably at the time midlife crisis. <laughs> um, I'd gone away on holiday and had an amazing week. And for the first time, I'd probably truly relaxed and I'd forgotten in that week's holiday to have anxiety. Yeah, no, I, I was going to ask, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the way home, it was like, oh my goodness, I've got to go back to how I was. And it was almost like my brain was going, no way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, Where were you on vacation? The Algarve in Portugal. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was away with an old school friend of mine who's never quite forgiven me, bless her. But I was flat out in the aisle thinking I was having a heart attack. And is there a doctor on board? And oh. the trolley dollies were flapping around. Oh, and, no. You know, it was just mental. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, I love that you described that because um, maybe someone was thinking, oh, she had a panic attack, like she was deep breathing or whatever, but you were full in. Yeah. Honestly, I, and and it's really unusual, really weird, although I'd lived with anxiety without realizing it. For all of this, I'd had, um, I had a partner that, that died 20 years ago and he'd suffered with some depression. But I look back now and I think, oh my goodness. I mean, you just, I didn't know any better, but I used to say, come on, you just get up and you get on with it. Life throws things at you and you just cope. And that was how I'd always lived. Yeah. I love that you said that, Wendy, because, you know, I think we don't know what we know until we know it. So that's not brilliant, but it's true, though, especially with supporting someone with anxiety or depression. You know, you're trying to be that person, but if you haven't experienced it, to be on both sides of that. So you got to experience what it was like to be a support person and what it was like to actually go through it and know what you needed. I think that's a unique situation. Yeah, it is. And I think it's even with the kids I work with as well, my empathy towards them, you know, has always been very good. But pre the plane and post plane, it's just, it's given me such an amazing understanding of what it's like to experience that form of mental health I mean everybody's unique don't get me wrong you know through learning through becoming a counsellor I learned that you just because you've lived a similar story to somebody or you know suffered a similar thing everybody's experience of that is completely unique yeah yeah it's like any major event in the world people you know 
people will deal with things completely differently you know and and there isn't one better than the other but it does give you an understanding of what it's like i have lived that kind of trauma because i'd almost detached myself from it and used the anxiety to detach myself from the childhood trauma um so almost reconnecting with what we call little wend <laughs> that's cute you know, redoing some of that stuff yeah was the hardest thing i've ever done um but was the best thing i've ever done wow that's great i wanted to ask you how all these experiences have kind of made you a better stronger more empathetic counselor and maybe you could talk a bit about the work that you're doing now so yeah obviously one one of the things for me is being able to you know i really want to be able to use my experience to try and support and help others i um i sort of worked my way up through the home and have recently been promoted and i'm now actually manager of the house itself that's great yeah which you know for me sometimes i have to take a moment and think wow little old me yeah, but a big responsibility too yeah <laughs> you can handle it i try to bring it in obviously the, the kids we work with and i think one of the good things is the fact that nowadays mental health i think for children and young people is so better talked about advertised i agree you know when i look back 20 years even to when I first started this job you know kids didn't have counseling it's one of the things that I really like to advocate and all of the kids I work with they all have a form of counseling once a week they do a group counseling as well with other because we've got a couple of other residential units oh that's nice yeah group therapy work they do individual counseling once a week in my role I'm homes manager I'm not a counsellor so I have to be very mindful. Oh, yeah. It's been able to understand that level of rejection more than anything. Their parents not being able to look after them. And that tends to stay with them more in some ways, you know, than any other form of abuse. And that's not literally in any other form of abuse, but the emotional impact for these kids is huge so i'm able to have a sense of empathy for them that maybe others can't because i've you know I, i've lived it yeah that's really beautiful wendy how does that impact them do you think having someone that understands i think it's a huge impact for them because it is somebody that as you said has, has been there although everybody's story is unique and i always say that to the kids i work with just because i've lived in similar circumstances to you i'm not you and i'm never going to be you but what i can do is you know listen and maybe show empathy at a level that others can't you know and, and i see it almost as a yeah. gift yeah now yeah now <laughs> <laughs> maybe not 10 years ago in any stretch of the imagination w wisdom helps yeah i just see it as such a gift now to be able to and it's not just about the being a looked after child it's about the anxiety and the mental health as well i'm lucky i have a very good team of people that work for me you know and everybody brings something different to the table so i, I try to sort of teach them about having an understanding right and for a little while i actually um worked for our therapy team and i used to teach foster carers oh wow I loved that. And one of the things I used to teach was, 
is you may not see the fruits of your labor right now. But what you can do is when they go on into adulthood and they start to often experience more anxiety, I find, and I always used to say to foster carers, you know, you won't see the fruits of your labor necessarily now. It will be down the line when you get that phone call, when you get that visit to say, oh, my goodness, you know, you believed in me, you got it, you understood. It's not quite on that level, but I know we've seen the same thing with our own students. We have to remind ourselves in the moment in class when they're yelling at us now, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) When When they're upset or frustrated, you know, we have to remind ourselves maybe down the road, they'll realize this was a rewarding experience. Um, But right now it's difficult for, especially at certain age groups or certain life circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to have them, I know I used to have foster carers say to me, yeah, but I took them out and I bought them this and I spent all this money on them and I did this for them and that for them. And and then they came home and trashed my house. I think a lot of just parents feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine so. And I said, but in some ways, to them, who are you? You know, and it's not that they don't appreciate what they've done. They just are suffering, you know, mental health stuff that they can't understand and they can't process quite often. Right. And I think that's really great advice because I think a lot of parents that we talk to and hear from are looking for ways to be a support person and accept that their role sometimes is just a support person. And not necessarily that that support that they're giving is going to see results right away. So I think that's really great advice. I think if you, you know, when you love somebody, you want to fix them. You want to make them better. You want the best for them. Yeah, I describe it as, um, you know, as a parent, a carer, you know, anybody that, you know, that you love that is suffering with anxiety at that level, all you want to do is put a plaster on it and fix it for them. You know, and I think for a person, you know, like a parent or what have you, it's really frustrating because it isn't something that you can fix. Mm-hmm. Well, I always say it's just about being there and sometimes saying nothing mm-hmm. and not trying to fix the problem. But that can be hard to do when you're the support person too. When you're trying to help them, it's it's difficult to remind oh, yourself, cold. I can just be here. I can just listen because we want to jump in and do everything in our power because we want to fight for these people. But sometimes that oh, can... <laughs> especially when it's somebody you love dearly. Yeah. I wonder how little Wend would have felt if she had a crystal ball and she could have seen all of the good that you're doing now after all of the things that she'd been through. You know, it's amazing. It is a very good question. Um, yeah. No, again, it's something I've been sort of writing about and, and you know, this sort of connected with little me. I think she would probably be, and this is what I've learned, you know, is to appreciate myself a lot more because our own sense of worth, especially when you're suffering anxiety and that, tends to be very poor. It's about acknowledging and being nice to big wind as well as little wind, if that makes sense. Yeah, you treat all these people amazing and give them so much grace and support and love. And we have to remember to do that to ourselves too, right? That's such a big thing to remember. Would would you say this to yourself? Would you treat, I'm sorry, would you say this to someone else or would you treat someone else that way? No, then why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, absolutely. But it's so hard to remember that in the moment. Of course. <laughs> when you're beating yourself up. <laughs> What's the age group of young men that you work with? 13 to 18. Okay, great. And is there something that you can think that you would have liked to have known or wish someone would have told you when you were that age? 
Oh, that's hard at that age. <laughs> Could they have told you anything? <laughs> <laughs> I think at that age, it's hard to have said anything really. So I think for me, all I wanted and all I can remember is just being devastated and wanting my mum, regardless of how I was being treated or how I was living. I think as a teenage person, which when I believe my anxiety came out more and more, really it would be that things can get better. If you work at it and you address it, then things can get better. Like you're your own hero, right? You're the hero of your own story. Yeah. You know, people say to me, oh, I've tried counselling, don't work for me. And, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's about finding the right counsellor. You know, I say to them, okay, so you've bought a pair of shoes. They don't fit right. Are you going to walk around the rest of your life in bare feet? (laughs) That's a great way to say it. Go around and, you know, keep trying until you find something that's comfortable for you. You work, it will work. You know, if you're prepared to put the work in, you know, it's actually to stop for a minute and think about what it is that's causing you this distress, which is a difficult thing to do. I'm not saying it's easy because it isn't, you know, but sometimes it's about just taking that moment to acknowledge the anxiety. Quite often in the beginning, I had no idea what was causing my anxiety at all because it was so physical to me it couldn't have been something like that because I never equated the physical reaction on your body to anxiety yeah I don't think people sometimes realize that it has such a big impact on your physical self as well Wendy do you mind sharing a bit about your book yeah it came from really my counseling when I started my counseling I used to, in the early days, have some quite strange and weird dreams. You know, my counsellor suggested having a pen and pad next to my bed. And when I wake up and I was thinking something peculiar or what I thought was odd would be to write it down. And it kind of started from there, really. And then before I knew it, I would like six books full of ramblings and wow, drawings and goodness knows what else, like all crazy things in it. And, it. and it became quite cathartic for me. So I actually started to write a book, which starts on the tarmac at the airport in Portugal. <laughs> That's a perfect start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right into the action. It's almost like starting from the very first panic attack, if you like, on the aeroplane. Um, And then the start of the book is all about, you know, thinking I was having a heart attack, not understanding, you know, what it was, the process that I went through, um, getting to the point when I actually realised it was anxiety. So it took me a while to actually even get to the point to realise what it was. And through my writing, I was able to do that. So that the book sort of starts, as I said, with the funny chapter of the, the trolley dollies flapping around trying to give everyone you know, cardboard Pringles and undrinkable coffee. And the next minute I'm in the, the aisle of the aeroplane, flat on my back, with my friend <laughs> looking at me like I'm in the final scene of the film Beaches. But I've tried to put humour into it as well. Yeah, it's good that you can laugh about it now. <laughs> I mean, it's been very good for me. It can help one other person. Well, that's a beautiful motivation. And it sounds like the process is really powerful. We can't, we can't wait to read it, though. I think it's going to help a lot of people. One of the things my counsellor did, maybe not for the first couple of years, but really got me into reading self-help books. And and there was one particular book 
He's an American writer, and one of the first books that my counsellor gave me was a book called The Homecoming. Mm -hmm. John Bradshaw. And was the most powerful book I have ever read. You know, and I think the first year or so where I was so bad, you know, she didn't give it to me, but she gave it to me about two years into my therapy. And, um, yeah, that book really did help to change my life and validate a lot of stuff that I hadn't realised I'd been feeling. He's very, very good, John Bradshaw. I think that's a good point, too. Sometimes it might be a great resource for you, but maybe not for you right now. I think that's such an important note. Yeah, I, I like to recommend John Bradshaw to people, but I am also very cautious of how powerful the book that book particularly or for me I mean everybody's different but you know how powerful some of his books are particularly things like the homecoming the shame that binds us you know you need to be able to have support around you when you are reading them to be able to just share some of the stuff that's in it yeah that's great advice and it can bring up some things right yeah yeah not a summer beach read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when do you amazing? It has been incredible talking to you and we could talk to you all day. Thank you very much, guys. It was lovely. Thank you. So stay healthy and stay safe. Take care of those boys. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Health It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus episodes and new releases every Wednesday. Please listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey. Because health, it's personal.